Hi, and welcome everyone to the 84th episode of CM Rocks. This is Marcus Allenson, and today's podcast will be about digital transformation success. And with me today, I have Hus Krabenborg from Dynamics and More. Hus Krabenborg is a highly experienced business trainer and consultant with a well-earned reputation in the Ash International Microsoft Dynamics arena. He has managed and co-owned several software companies and was sales director for Navision Software in the Netherlands. Hus is co-founder and co-owner of QBS Group. He is also a member of the Partner Advisory Council for Directions for Partners and the community of Day365 SMB partners in the EMEA and Asia regions. Welcome, Hus. Thank you, Marcus. Thanks for asking me. How are you doing today? Well, I'm fine. Unlike most of the partners, December is a pretty quiet month for me, so um, I'm doing fine, thanks. All right then. So December is, is calm for you then, because I'm a partner as well, and December is always fully packed. Yep. So I typically help partners, uh, most of them Dynamics partners and their prospects and customers uh, with training, with coaching, with inspiration. But just like you said, because partners are busy in December, uh, it means for me it's a quiet month because there's not much time left for them to think about training, coaching and improvement. So that will happen again from mid-January. All right then. So what is it that you do help them with? So I'm basically active helping partners with everything except the functional and the technical part. So you could think about coaching, management, leadership, sales, marketing, customer satisfaction, project management, what have you. So basically the business skills. And we're customers all the time. What's your last memorable customer experience as a customer? Well, actually, we are in the process of selling our house, which is, of course, something you don't do every day. So there was the reason to uh, collect some expertise from outside, just like most of the end customers will do if they select the system. And I had to sort of teach (laughs) uh, my real estate manager and introduce something called the customer journey because, you know, they kept on asking similar questions again and again. Um, They continue to thinking inside out where we all want them to think outside in and put themselves in our shoes. So that was really a bad experience. And unfortunately, there's a, there's a lot of, let's say, branches and organizations where people still have that behavior. So there's a lot of work to do out there. All right. So that's sort of a bad habit for you. Then that you have to sort of, okay, I know you can do better. So please do better. Yeah. My wife sometimes says, okay, it's private life now, Gus. You're not working. But even in private life, you can't stop of helping people to understand that they should change or motivate them to change. Yep. Yeah. If I continue, what is digital transformation to you? Well, I think digital transformation is has a lot to do with uh, the point that I just mentioned. Um, unlike other people, I don't think that the focus in digital transformation should be on digital. Uh, I see a lot of people and I talk a lot of people that believe that digital transformation is just another IT project with the budgets in the IT department, with the responsibility with the IT manager. Um, but I think that's uh, that's a, a wrong approach. Uh, I believe that the focus should be much more on the second word of digital transformation, which obviously is transformation, because uh, I believe that technology these days uh, has the ability for customers 
to be more powerful than ever before. I think for 99% of the companies in the world and also 99% of the people that listen to this podcast, um, they have competitors and they even have good competitors and their customers can find these competitors in only two mouse clicks. So if we don't use technology to make life of our customers and prospective customers simpler and easier, if we don't use technology to shorten our processes and to deliver faster, um, we might lose customers. And what I see is that a lot of companies focus on the first word of digital transformation, which is digital, and get excited about new functions and features without wondering what the transformation part should be. So to your question, for me, is digital transformation, especially transforming your business to really put the customer center in everything you do. All right. So what's the most common transformation that you see your customers are having or struggling with? Well, because most companies that I've met in many countries, because I travel a lot, I work with partners and customers, uh, since most of them believe it's just another IT project, I see that they try to improve the IT component. Uh, for some, it means that they go from on-premise to cloud. For other companies, it means they go from fax to email, right? Depends on, on where you are and how mature you are. But they tend to focus really on the technology. And by doing that, they tend to forget how important it is to also modernize business processes and maybe even more important to modernize their thinking. And when you ignore your thinking, you just do your business like you always did, like your father did, and maybe even like your grandfather did. And you still use business processes from the time when your grandfather was living. If you then only update your IT, then I think you make a big, big, big mistake. It is a bit like you have a very old car. If your system is a car and it goes too slow, so you decide to get a new car. And just before you get this uh, phone call from the garage that the car is ready, you say, I got one more request. Can you please put the engine, the motor of your, let's say, old Trabant from Eastern Germany and put that engine from the Trabant in your new Audi or your new BMW? Then probably the end result is you drive a great new car, but it still goes too slow, just the same slow speed as the Trabant. And that doesn't help anything. Yeah, or your example there where... The only thing you change is that you don't send a fax, you send an email, but the rest of the process is exactly the same. So that could be one example as well. So what do you think about Microsoft's four pillar of digital transformation? Then? So I think that, you know, the concept um, that Microsoft built around digital transformation uh, is good, I would say. My observation, however, is that if you got Microsoft people on stage in local events and in international events, and they start talking about digital transformation, they immediately switch to products. And okay, we all know that Microsoft is a product company and that Microsoft lives from selling products directly or through partners. But I think that digital transformation should not start with products. I strongly believe that it should start with the question, who are our customers? Who do we want our future customers to be? And do we everything we can to make life of customers simpler, easier, more comfortable? So I believe that putting the customer first is the most important thing you should do. And then the second step is try to find a business model that adds maximum value 
to your customers, your future and cost and uh, your today's and future customers. And I think that many companies sort of tend to forget or move directly to the IT component. And to be honest, I think that Microsoft also focuses too much on the product side and tend to spend less time, energy, and focus on, let's say, the customer side, the business process side, again, and the people side. So the concept is okay, but I think it's incomplete. Yeah, and and just for the audience here, that those four pillars of digital transformation is empire, empower your employees, engage your customers, optimize operations, and transform products. And yes, Microsoft is a technology company, so therefore they have a heavily influence on that part, and they very rarely or almost never talk about okay so how are you going to sell how is that process going to be no how do you enable your process with these products that you have well i i I think uh marcus that in the near past we've seen initiatives uh, where microsoft wanted to do more on on those domains Uh, you might uh, recall the efforts around methodology where Microsoft has this sure step methodology, which included a way to implement systems. And uh, even before, I remember in the good old Navision times, there was a on-target methodology that also uh, had a part on how to implement effectively, but it also had a part how to build software, how to develop software. It had a part how to do sales and marketing efficient. And as a sort of umbrella, the fourth part was how to run a company. Um, uh, so uh, in an effective way. So over time, these four pillars, these four domains of partner optimization sort of uh, get to the background. And I think then when Microsoft started to make SureStep more important, I think around 2011, 2012, somewhere there, um, it was a point where partners were um, forced, so to say, to send people to training and to get certified people in SureStep And if you didn't have that, it was, for instance, not possible to become a gold certified partner. I think it was good by that time to have a methodology. And I thought it was good that Microsoft had a release policy, came up with new versions of the methodology. But today, the methodology seems to to have disappeared. So in the last uh, uh, directions event uh, in Vienna, I think a few weeks ago, uh, I was on stage together with some other people in the advisory council. And I've told the audience that I've been looking for the person in Microsoft headquarters who is responsible for SureStep. I asked several people, who is the person? And nobody could tell me. But if you look at today's market, we see a number of, let's say, situations where methodology, implementation methodology is super important. There are big numbers of Microsoft Dynamics on-premise customers, maybe not so much in the CRM domain because a lot of them already went to online. Uh, but in the domains of AX and Great Plains and Solomon and Navision, there's 10,000, multiple 10,000 of customers still on premise. And I think partners need guidance, need tools to bring these customers efficient, quick, uh, relatively cheap to Dynamic 365 in the cloud. Otherwise, they might move to other companies. So migrating your customer base, I think, needs tooling to prevent that every partner invents the wheel with all the, let's say, potential damage. 
The second part that I see is that, especially in smaller companies, companies today don't like long implementations because it costs a lot of money, takes a lot of time, and it takes too long before they benefit from the new system. And we know and we see every day that there's a lot of non-Microsoft competitors that implement faster and faster. So if we really want to win market share in the medium business, but even in the small business, the S from SMB, that can only be successful if you have the right products, but also if you're, ha- if you're able to implement fast. So I would say implementing fast is the second part. And then the third part has to do with the topic from, from our podcast today, has to do with organizational change management. So I believe that digital transformation means putting the customer center And that means for a lot of customers that they have to reconsider the position of the customer and they have to reconsider what that means for their business processes. And I'm pretty sure that in the end, smart companies will decide to modernize their processes in order to do this. And then we talk about organizational change management. So that's my number three reason why I believe that methodology like SureStep should be modernized, should be, you know, put again on the agenda because partners need help from this methodology to be successful. So if I did listen to Microsoft earlier and then continue with that, so is that a good way forward to keep doing that? Well, I think that having a methodology is much better than don't have a methodology at all. Yeah. That's one. Second, if market circumstances change, uh, it also and expectation levels change, and competitors outside of Dynamics Channel do things faster or cheaper or better, uh, I think we should react as a community. And I think it's good if there are centralized tools available, again, to prevent that everybody reinvents the wheel. So it's good in your company if you say, we still have a methodology and maybe you do SureStep or you have made your own version of that. But then the question is, did you prepare your methodology today to also do change management, to also do implementation in a week or in a day, if that's your target market, and to be able to uh, migrate your on-premise customers fast and cheap and safe, not in order not to lose customers if you if you want to migrate to the cloud. Um, what are the success factors for a digital transformation project? So I, you know, if I, I do a lot of presentations around this topic. Um, and if I'm in front of the audience and we talk about digital transformation, you know, I ask people, so how many words are in this term? And obviously the answer is two. And then I say, what do you think is the simple part of digital transformation and what's the more challenging part? And then often it becomes silent because everybody starts thinking and maybe don't have the guts to say the answer. So my personal opinion is that the digital part of digital transformation is relatively easy. The question is why? Well, because there are products uh, uh, to do the, to cover the digital part, right? Microsoft has great products. Uh, they're part of a platform. Over time, they get better and better integrated. But hey, guys like SAP and Salesforce and Oracle and what have you, they also have products to cover, you know, the digital part. The question is, do you believe, Marcus, and people in the podcast, do you believe that there is an article number in the price list for transformation? And then, you know, the question people start laughing often because they, they and I ask why do you laugh and they say well Gus that's impossible and I say why is it impossible and they say well transformation starts with a strategy 
What do you want to achieve with your business? You want to grow? You want to roll out to other countries? Do you want to be the biggest or the best or the cheapest or the most profitable or whatever you want? And then transformation should be connected to your business goal. And once you have your strategy uh, decided what digital transformation should, should add to your strategy, then you know you have to get your people in a change mode, which is far from easy. And then the management of the customer company should be the example. They should be just to start behaving in the way they want their employees to behave. And of course, all these things cannot be delivered by Microsoft, cannot be delivered by a partner. That's typically something that a customer should do. And, you know, they're not used to do this. Uh, most of them are not good at it. And let's repeat it again. Change is difficult for human race. We all sort of hate change. Yeah. At least I know the older I get, the more often I say to my wife, if she wants me to change something, I hear myself saying, so why should I do that, honey? Because it's going fine. No matter if it's a new shirt or, you know, change my behavior or whatever. And I think there's a big challenge for all of us. And, you know, Microsoft could say we are a product company and we think this is the domain of the partner, which could make sense. But then I would say, do all the partners understand that for future project success, you need also to take care of covering this change component. Do you have the right people for that? Do you have the right skills for that? Do you have the right methodology for that? Well, I think these are interesting questions. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I think it's super interesting uh, because some of the times we, I, I mean, I as a partner then try to offer these types of services and the customer says, nah, we will just, we will have some education for the end and uh, users and that will be just fine. And then I will be like, well, well, probably we should do a little bit more. And they will say, nah, 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 that, that's enough. Yep. Yep. I know these answers. Um, and I think, I think Marcus, here we have to, to deal with what I call a lack of education. So if, if, you, if you would agree that digital transformation is less IT and more a business change, uh, towards, you know, the modern needs of modern customers and they want fast and easy, and, you know, transparent and what have you. Uh, and most companies today are not fast, are not cheap, are not transparent. <laughs> and they are focusing on the internal organization. If I, I know you're a CRM guy, but if you look at ERP systems and I ask companies what is central in your organization and what was central when you implemented ERP, they will say the bill of material or they will say the order process. Or they will say, we focus on our own product, our own service. So it's not focused on the customer. And you and me, we're both customers today from a supermarket, from the gas station, from the real estate manager, and so on and so further. And not most of us are not happy with how we are being treated. Our buying journeys often um, end up with disappointment because we all know that we are not central in the business of our vendors. Yeah, our money is central, our revenue, right? But not our feelings and not our customer journey. So I think, you know, there's a need for education. That's one point. And the second interesting observation is that most, let's say, IT vendors, and that includes the Dynamics channel, are used to talk to IT people. And maybe they're used to talk to the finance people because they own the IT budgets. Um, but, you know, what do IT people know about organizational change? What is their responsibility when it goes to organizational change? Most of these people, that's just an observation, no offense, they focus on the product 
and make the product live and 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 have a safe environment and the right logins and what have you. Uh, but it's most companies is not the responsibility of the IT department to put the customer first. So I think typically that uh, vendors, if they want to have successful uh, projects with digital transformation, they should move their focus and start talking to the people who are responsible for transforming the business and surviving the business. And that's typically the senior management and the business owners. And you and I, we both know that for the last 20 or 30 years, our industry did not talk enough with business owners. And we, we also know that it was always hard to talk to business owners because they said, talk to my IT manager, right? And they, I'll put you through. So they, they stood with their backs to the projects. So there's, let's say, learning on both sides. Partners should learn to address senior management and C-level. But that means that they need a better pitch because C-level is not interested in function features or the brochure. Maybe they're not interested in the product at all. They're interested in the outcome. And they're interested in what happens if I do it and what happens if I don't do it or I'm too late. And the second point is that we have to educate senior management. Right, And I, in my sessions, I say there's only one person that can be responsible for the digital transformation process. And sorry for the IT guys in the room, that's not the IT department, that's the business owner. But if I then ask in an event, partner event, I did one week last week in the Netherlands and a week before I had one in Swiss and then in Denmark. And I asked them, you know, who of you has a senior role of who you as business owner, you know, that's in customer events, that's maybe less than 5%. So we have we have to find a way to get in contact with the people with these people. We have to find a way to to get their interest. Um, and and I think it's a challenge for partners and and you know uh, a new uh, trajectory to learn to talk sea level and to get their attention. Would you say there's that a lot to do, but it's not it's not boring. No, is no, it? no. Of course not. Um, no. Would you say that? These types of discussions are then mandatory in more or less every project that partners have with their customers then? Well, I can imagine that, let me say, if you now talk to a potential new customer, somebody who says, you know, our current systems are poor and bad and non-integrated or not supported anymore, so we go for something new, then I think you should, it's good to have a conversation that not starts with the product, so keep your laptop closed and start a discussion. Where is your business today? How are you doing? Are you happy with the results? Do you make a profit? Was last year your best year ever? Is the profit going up or going down? Oh, you don't make any profit at all. What's happening? Who are your biggest competitors? Why do you win deals if you win? Why do you lose if you lose? What are the trends, right? I think we should learn much more from the company because in the end, most of them don't buy a product for having a product, they buy a product because they want to achieve business goals. And I know, you know, that many partners, many software vendors in the world don't raise these questions typically because they dive into their product. Because it's an easier discussion, side, because we're used to it, yeah, because maybe, yeah, or yes, we know it. We're used to it. And we, we have appointments with people who expect us to start talking about products because it might be IT department. And, but most in most companies, the IT people cannot tell you what the strategy of the company is. And in most companies, they don't know if they make a profit or a loss. And they don't know who their competitors are, or they don't know how satisfied their customers are. So I think we should stop selling products. That sounds a bit strange, maybe. But I would say stop selling products and start selling successful projects. And hey, 
how can you find out what a project what makes a project successful without raising questions to the customer so where are you what do you want to achieve and how do you can you please visualize success what does it look like what does success look like in a year from going live what is success like three years after going live right these yeah. are good questions so do you propose that changing the business model as well for the partners then so they change their um more to be aligned with the customer's success stories than and not just time and material or fixed price? Well, I think, uh, uh, Marcus, that the business model of partners are under pressure a few years already, right? I think in, let's say, Western Europe, we have a good economy these days, although we all keep our fingers crossed because... There's all kinds of signs that it might be less yeah. in the near future. And because economy is doing well, uh, there's scarcity for people. We can't find the right people. The fees are okay. But if you look from a distance and you, you measure what happens with the price of services, and if you measure what happens with the margin on services, on the average for all partners worldwide, there is a tendency that deals get smaller, that there is a lower number of days that prices are under pressure, maybe not today, but again, uh, in a longer period, and that the margins are under pressure. And my expectation is that the pressure will continue. On the other hand, we see that Microsoft is stimulating that partners go into verticals. That's not new. They've been doing that since 2004. But I believe that more and more partners get the message. So verticalization, standardization, working with add-ons, packaging solutions. I think this all leads to a pressure on the numbers of days of services. And we also see that it's not for implementation, but also upgrades. The tooling get better. If we standardize more, then upgrades will be smaller and cheaper. And that all means that, you know, partners cannot make as much money with a few big deals as they did, as they did for previous years. So I think partners are forced to sell more deals. And then we see that the move from on-premise, where you get your license paid up front, to cloud, where they pay as they use, it also means another pressure on your revenue. Because if you have a deal with 100,000 license money up front before the project starts, and now it's paid per month, it might take 18 to 24 months before you have a break-even, and you might need five or six years before you have the, t the same 100,000. If the customer doesn't go bankrupt in the meantime, and if the customer is not unhappy and leaves you, switches to another partner. So I just, you know, name a few trends that forces partner to change their yeah. business model. And if I say, you know, human change, human nature, we don't like change. That doesn't stop with customers and prospects. That's, of course, the same with partners. So I see a lot of partners that have difficulties to accept that they have to change their business model. Some do it fast, some do it slowly, and I would assume some will never do it. These reduced sizes in projects, and we see them as well, and I've connected them to perhaps more agile organizations because they want to have smaller releases more often and those then get breaked into projects. So we do this one where we want this functionality out to the users so we can test it, so we can verify it. Are we on the right track? Do we get value from that from a, my 
customer point of view then. Uh, do you see that this has to do with your uh, views as well? well? I think after all, after long years, we can say that more and more customers have learned their lessons, right? They have learned that the big bang and the big change and everything on day one is not effective or might even introduce uh, failure. I also see over the last few years that if you want to buy a system, even if it's on-premise with 100 customers, you know, the good old times, people said, here is the deal for 100 customers on day one when signing the purchase order, the contract. But today they say, I only want two users and I want to buy the other 98 when we go live. So, you know, just a few examples where we see no surprise. I was always wondering why people were waiting so long with this, but that they have learned. Um, and then we, we also see that they say a phased approach is better than putting everything uh, to work on day one. But, you know, on top of that, we see that, let's say, learning has changed, right? The, the traditional point, you send the trainer to the customer and they go for training for three or five days. And then they're ill because they got a headache because it was too much in a short time and they tend to forget everything. Today, I see a lot of partners that use training videos, you know, very short for activity A or activity B that you can repeat if it's relevant for you. So there's pressure on training, right? So the, 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 the tooling is changing. The possibilities is changing. The mindset is changing, right? If we have the generation Y that first start looking at what's on YouTube. Can I find the answer myself? The customers are different as well when we compare them with 10 or 15 years ago. So again, if you're a partner today, you know, question is, you know, are your windows closed or open? Hopefully they are open. And do you look outside what's happening? And there is a lot changing outside. Then the question is, do you have the guts to, you know, react on those changes? Are you willing to change your behavior? Are you willing to change your proposition? Are you willing to change your services portfolio? So I would say all in all, if we talk about digital transformation, that is super relevant for partners as well. And let's be honest, Marcus, if you're a partner and I'm the customer and you come to me and you say, Gus, can we help you in digital transformation because you need to change your business? You know, why should I believe you if you're still an old fashioned partner that works the same as your father and your grandfather? But that's what partners do. And, and some of them don't even realize how idiot it looks, you know, if yourself old school, old fashioned, and you say to somebody else, shall I help you to get active in the modern world? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's relevant question because the customers usually ask me, okay, how do you do it in your dynamic CRM system? And it could be X, Y, Z. How do you do this function? How do you solve this problem? Or how do you get value out of it? And if I don't have a valid question for that, or I simply, oh, we don't use it, then it's like, well, well, what's the value then? Yeah. So that's super yeah. relevant. Yeah. But it, I know some examples are even more painful uh, that I see partners that s try to sell cloud solutions. And then, you know, in the end, if I would be the prospect and my pen is above the dotted line, so I'm just literally a second away from signing the contract, then I think you're my age, right? So you might have seen Inspector Columbo on television in the early days. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, he was a detective and he went out of the room, standing at the door, and he always came back. He said, one more question, one uh, okay. last question. He was famous for that. So if I would be the prospect about to sign the contract, I would say, one more question, dear partner. Do you use cloud solutions yourself? Yeah. And if they would say, well, we are still on-premise, 
What do you think? Would I sign the contract? Yeah, probably not. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Or or you know, what what version do you use? And then they say, well, to be honest, we got a version from 10 years old with a lot of customizations. You know, so if you don't start changing your own mindset, your own IT, your own, you know, where you're thinking, I would say that's mandatory step number zero, not even step one, to prepare yourself to be successful in selling digital transformation. Yeah. Have you seen prospects change their business proposition value, or sorry, the business value proposition to be more okay when you hit these types of engagement numbers then you pay a certain amount or you pay us per user per month and if you add more users because you find value out of it then you pay us more well i think there is quite some creativity in the channel so um of course microsoft makes the change and they keep on changing pricing model, yeah. right? So you could be PhD these days on pricing. I think we all agree that pricing is too complex. I've been visiting Worldwide Partner Conference and Inspire since 2004. And year after year after year, Microsoft said, we do everything we can to make it more simple. But for one, re- one or the other reason, you know, having a price list with less than 100 pages seemed to be impossible. And by, by the way, it's the same with SAP, with Oracle, with Salesforce, right? So maybe it is as complex. But, you know, there is part is that say we take the same structure as Microsoft has, but also there's, of course, other ways. So I got a friend of mine. He is a veterinarian, uh, so he looks after animals and they, they use a piece of software. What they do is they pay a percentage of their services revenue. So if they got a great month with a lot of people with sick dogs, then they have more revenue and then they pay more. And if it's holiday or whatever, uh, people don't have their uh, animals sick and they got less revenue, they pay less. That's what they pay for the software. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So the software software vendor takes a percentage. So they say, if you're good and you make more money, thanks to our software, then you pay us more. And, you know, if you got a poor month, then you pay less. So it's based on their customers' success then. So it's not either... A fixed price or time and material it's something else well then it depends right if they use maybe they pay separately for services but for the license the use of the license that could be models like this yeah what does organization change management fit in so i believe that again right digital transformation for me the most difficult part is in transformation and if I talk to companies, could be Microsoft partners, could be Microsoft customers, could be potential customers, and I ask them, you know, what do you, what is your business, and why do you work the way you do, uh, and I try to come up with, you know, good arguments for changing and and urgency for changing. A lot of people say, hey, slow down, man, because we're doing fine, right? We are doing fine, right? We're still in our comfort zone. And if I say, well, it's good to hear that you're in your comfort zone. But do you have any guarantee that next year or the year after you're still in the comfort zone, right? Don't you see what's happening? New competitors, uh, different propositions, different customer behavior. So, you know, I struggle with getting people to understand uh, that the market is changing. And I see quite a lot of companies that are in denial, right? They say, yeah, it's only a dip. It's only temporary or whatever. The ones that do understand that things are changing again, focus on the IT component more than on their organization. But if you start discussing their processes, 
um, I see metaphorically a lot of companies that still have fax processes in their organization or even telex processes. And for the younger people in the podcast, a telex was a piece of equipment that we had before the fax was, was invented. So that's from really a long time ago. Um, and I use them as a metaphor because if you say to people, okay, tell me what you want in your new system or what are your requirements for an upgrade, they typically come up with their fax process, metaphorically, and their tailor fax process. So I think, you know, human nature is that we look what we have today and what we had yesterday and the week before. But I think we all agree that if you implement a system, it's not meant for history, it's meant for the future. Yeah, it's Agreed? not just that we automate it, we actually improve and simplify the entire process as well then. If they are open to do that. But if they say, I want you to build my uh, OPA, my grandfather's <laughs> process with Telefax into CRM, you could say, you know, Dynamics is flexible, yeah, we sure. can do that. But it doesn't but... make any sense. Because how many Telefaxes do you expect in the next 10 years? Well, zero. Hopefully zero. Uh, and again, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor, but it could be your logistical process, could be your services process, could be a help desk process. Again, the same applies for a partner. So if you as a partner say, let's move up to a newer version of you know, uh, customer engagement or FNO or, or BC or whatever, then do you also look seriously, how can we improve our processes? Can it be done faster? Can it be done simpler? And you know, most people don't wake up every day wondering, you know, what can I do to improve my processes? But I think if you change your technology, either new or upgrade, that is a great moment to reconsider your processes. And I think, Marcus, a good idea would be not just to ask your colleagues internally, so what would you want to do in a new system, right? Why not ask your customers? Why not talk to your top three or top five customers? And that's something that your customers should do with their customers and ask them, are you happy with our services where could we improve? What would you do if you were in our shoes? And they might say, it would be lovely to have direct access to your warehouse so that I can see my own stuff. And I, I can see if I have to order yes or no or other things. So if you ask outsiders what they would like to see as a result of your systems, then you get fresh new ideas and hopefully helps you to modernize your processes. And that's the point, back to your question, where organizational change management comes around the corner. So I think as an industry, you know, for 30, 40, 50 years, we went to customers, we asked them, how do you operate? And then we offered them a piece of flexible software where we could change the software so that it could support their way of working. And the good news from the Dynamics product is it's super flexible. I think that's the strongest characteristic but I, I also see the weakest characteristic of Microsoft Dynamics is its flexibility. Yeah, yeah. It's, your, it's yeah. your friend and your enemy. And we all know how difficult it is to balance on that because as soon as you go too much into flexibility, as in too much customizations, you lock yourself in. You can't move anymore. You can't upgrade anymore. And then congratulations in this fast-changing world, you know, you're too slow, you're not fast enough, you're not cheap enough to keep, you know, keep to, to keep on with the, with the speed of changes. So I think more and more companies, that's my observation, not sure about yours, but my observation is there's more and more companies that say, get rid of the customizations. 
I'll give you one, one example. I was invited by a big uh, Acceptor customer. So dynamic, no, yeah, Acceptor, Acceptor that's like before finance yeah. and operation and before AX yeah. that was called Acceptor. Okay, but this company was using the system since 2003. Yeah. So then it was definitely called yeah, Acceptor. Yeah. So they had an old version of Acceptor when they were 200 people and they grew like hell. So now they're 800 people and they have 24 offices around the world. And they used the flexibility from Accepta in a way that they ended up with 24 versions because every subsidiary in the world had their own flexible version of Accepta. So customers who were doing business with two or three countries had completely different processes, were get stressed, get unsatisfied and unhappy. And the company came to a point where the management team says, we have the ability to grow a lot with our products and services. But the system, as it was implemented, is hindering us. So we can't grow as fast as we can. And we'll get to a point that there's no growth possible anymore. So they decided to re-implement. Interesting was that their initial project was called Accepta. So it was a product yeah. implementation. And now they said it's not a product implementation anymore. It's a business implementation. It was a company from Austria. They called the the project Everest, yeah. like in Mount Everest, because they said, we have to climb a tree. And I was a bit surprised that I that they invited somebody from Netherlands, because you might know that we have no mountains at all, and even a part of Holland yeah. is below sea level. So I didn't feel like a specialist in climbing a mountain. But they, what they did, Marcus, they decided to throw away all the customizations. And they spent a fortune in customizations, but they said, get rid of all that. We want to have standardized processes and we want to implement the standardized processes in all the 24 countries. And they now in the project Everest will take them 36 months, that's three years, to get everybody from this customized per country localized version towards standardized processes that are similar for every uh, um, um, company, for every subsidiary and every employee all over the world. So they say this is a huge change process and they love to be close to the standard because then it means that they can take the upgrades and they can benefit from all the innovations that Microsoft is bringing. Now, interesting, in, in such discussion, the CEO said, some people said, yeah, but if we lose our customizations, we lose our unique selling points because we automated with customizations something that nobody could. But hey, they found out that the unique customization stopped them from upgrading and forced them to stay in their old version with their old legacy processes, right? So they completely changed. And I've seen many examples of that. Yeah. And I mean, that's like uh, also if you have a change and you have these 24 installations, then you basically have to do them each and every place. And that, of course, gets very costly, very timely. So the change management from an organization point of view is way much. So it sounds like it's a lot bigger than just this change management from a people point of view that we perhaps are more used to discuss from a partner point of view than yeah. So what they did, they invited me because I met one of these guys in Summit in Amsterdam as well. Their IT manager was there. And he said, I liked your presentation. Can I invite you, Goose, to help us with the kickoff of this project? So I flew to Austria and they had 160 people in their headquarter at eight o'clock in the morning. And I did a two-hour presentation, not about functions, 
not about features, but about change and what change means. Change starts in your head. And I also said, what happens if you don't change in your head? What will happen with you? What's your future in your job? Right? How can you continue as a company if you don't change? And we did exercises like one of the things that are one of my favorite is the question, what was the last time you did something for the first time? Yeah. Think yeah. about it. In private or in business, what was the last time you did something for the first time? Right? We did exercises to find out how good people are in changing and you know, tell your neighbor what was the best thing that you changed in the last six months and what was the worst experience and how good or bad are you in changing? And then the question was, who do you think in your department is good in changing and who do you think is bad in changing? And how could you support your colleague who has problems with changing? What can you do to help somebody? And take it as an opportunity rather than an impediment for you. True. And, you know, I think the question, and that's also a relevant question for digital transformation, what is going to happen if you transform? But hey, a relevant question as well. What is going to happen with you if you don't transform? (laughs) Yeah. And that's relevant. We're going to stay right where we are. Yeah, we we keep on working like like my grandfather did. But then, you know, how many customers do you think you like your services over time? And that's relevant for a partner. That's relevant for Microsoft. That's relevant for the customers. And the customer's customers is relevant for you and me. It's for everybody. So change is difficult, right? Uh, but not changing, you know, could could kill you. Yeah. So if I want to get started, both as a partner and as customers, where do I start then? So I believe that, you know, if you want to be taken seriously as a partner that can help your, ch- your customer in their digital transformation journey, uh, I think it starts with st- <laughs> doing your own transformation process as well. So all the questions that are relevant for your current customers and your future customers are relevant for you as well. So I would say step number one, put the customer central in everything you do. Now, I know you're active in uh, customer engagement, CRM. So by nature, you are more, let's say, because you talk with sales and marketing people, the customer is more important to you, I would assume, but there's no guarantee that you really do that. For people that are in ERP, which is more back office oriented, they might, for them might be a bigger step. But I think for all of us, is the customer really as important as we say? And I meet a lot of people, they talk about customer centricity and we are customer obsessed. But if you, you look at their office, there's a, 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 a sign on the wall that says uh, best parking places for directors only. Right? So they say customers are important, <laughs> but in practice, you know, customers are not important. So that would be step number one for a partner. The second one is... Is your business model meant to make as much as billable hours and to get as much as possible money from the wallet from your customer to into your wallet? Or is your business model adding value to your customers? And of course, they have to pay for adding value. No doubt about that. But if you start thinking, how do we measure if people in our company are doing well? There's still a lot of companies and partners that say, it depends, do you make enough billable hours? Right? That's the nature of this business. In the new world, I would say I pay a bonus if the customer happiness, we measure that all the time, and if the customer happiness is above 8.0, you get a bonus, right? If it's below, is between 6.5 and 8.5, you get no bonus. If it's below 6.5, we take a part of your salary, something like that, right? Using customer satisfaction, because without happy customers, it's nothing. But that's a change in mindset for partners. That's a change in mindset for the management. 
I work with partners where they don't make just a budget for money like most partners do today. What's the budget for 2020? I said to them, why not make a budget for customer satisfaction? They say, what do you mean? Well, you could say, let's measure how happy our customers are today. And let's say they give a 6.5. Then we could say, are we happy with 6.5? Well, probably not because they might leave for somebody else. So some of them say, we want to have a 9.0 in three years from now, but we can't do it in one day or one week. So the goal for 2020, we're going to do measurements every month, every three months. But at the end of 2020, we want the happiness of our customers to be 7.8. And the year after, it should be 8.2 and so on and so further. So they budget it and they pay their people and measure their people on happiness of customers. Because we know happy customers will stay with you and we know that happy customers will tell it to their friends and colleagues and bring leads, right? So it, I think the journey starts with yourself and then you can't do that for a year doing nothing. So in the meantime, you should be busy with your customers, I understand. But then if you do it yourself, then you get inspiration to tell your customers how you do. And then you might thinking about educating or inspiring them. So I get invitations from all over Europe from partners that say, Goose, at our next customer event or annual customer day or prospect day, could you do a presentation on digital transformation to inspire us on the transformation side? I create a checklist. I created questionnaires, right? That people see, the management people see it's not an IT project. It's about changing your business with an IT component in it. Sometimes you just want that digital transformation spray that you can spray on everyone, then you're done. Yeah, that would Uh, be easier, right? It would be easier. Yeah, but it's not that. And then Uh, one more point, I think, that if you think about transforming and you think about organizational change, I believe that uh, every partner, Microsoft partner, but I think in the broader uh, perspective, every IT vendor should wonder, what kind of services do I offer today to my customers? Well, if I look in the Dynamics channel, I've, I've been in many countries and I've seen, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of partners, but 99% of them, if you look in their services catalog, they offer project management, consultancy, development, training, help desk, period. I think that it's time to start thinking about services to help the management of your customers and your prospects to help them to define goals for digital transformation. I think it's about time now. If we really want to change organizations, IT department cannot do that. They're not maybe not interested, but they can't do it. So we need to get sponsorship and active engagement with the management. So I work with partners where we start delivering um, change masterclasses or transformation masterclasses, which are workshops where we teach the management of customers and prospects, you know, to start thinking about modernizing processes to start looking at competitors that might deliver faster or cheaper or better so that they get inspired to do that, right? And you might, I see partners that start with change consultants. So these typically are people with a lot of patience and a lot of empathy, (laughs) right? Because that's necessary. And these people go into organizations, sometimes even before there is a deal for the software, and they start advising and discussing on how to improve business processes, how to make them faster, cheaper, simpler, uh, and so on and so further before they start implementing. And if you do that in a smart way, imagine your company would say to a potential customer, we can help you. We do some interviews. uh, We do an assessment on your processes. And then the outcome is a report that we would like to present to your management. And it costs you X or or Y in in the 
krona or euros or whatever, right? And then you can show your knowledge of their of the market. You show your knowledge of the processes, right? And you can win their confidence, so that then afterwards the company is prepared to make a simpler implementation because you don't have to do all the processes from grandfather's time, but then it's a modern implementation. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's not many partners on that way right now, but I think, you know, these are steps for the next, for the years to come. Change yourself, get experience, and then start, let's say, expanding your services portfolio towards the needs of customers that want to be successful in digital transformation. Yeah. Really good. It's not it's not easy, but it's not boring either, right? <laughs> oh, definitely not. Uh, I've got, I, I, I've learned a lot just during this hour of this talk. So, sure. if we want to listen to you again, do you have any public speaking or anything like that that you have scheduled? So, I was a speaker uh, a few times on directions in Vienna. Um, I was it in Summit, like we met in Amsterdam. I will not be in the Summit and Extreme in Barcelona the, this spring. So, I don't have some public speaking scheduled. I do have a lot for individual partners, but that's not probably the thing that you mean. No. <laughs> um, yeah. I am I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So, and I do post uh, things, but also post uh, recordings from webinars. So, that might be something that people, you know, would be interested. If they're interested, they could follow me and set up a link. Uh, that's, I think that's fine. Yeah, sure. I will um, add it to the show notes. And would you like to recommend a guest for a future episode? Yeah, so I had an, a nice um, conversation this morning with a Dutch guy. You said I live in the Netherlands, right? So I met a guy called Walter Toet, um, and he wrote an interesting book. So we have books in the Netherlands. One pretty popular says, a man visits the doctor, and then it appears that he is sick and ill, and there's a complete story. And he made sort of a uh, – he used the title a bit – and he says, a CEO visits the IT doctor. So what he does, he describes the reason why so many projects either fail or at least end up with disappointment. And he writes it down, not in bits and bytes, like for IT people, but he wrote it down for CEOs, for managing directors, for Geschäftsführers in, in Germany, right? So in, in a language that everybody can understand. And then I thought, you know, his, the, he was in one of my presentations two weeks ago. So he liked my presentation a lot, and I'm now having a discussion what we can do to set up workshops uh, uh, for senior management and, and business owners, let's say, to help them understand that digital transformation is not an IT project, but it's a change project that should be linked to the strategy. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that Walter, I asked him, and he, he was happy to do it. So he would like to talk with you and explain you know, his uh, experiences over the last 20 years as a program manager in large projects. So I think he's a good one to uh, to interview. Yeah, I will uh, try to find him. And, uh, and I will add the link to your LinkedIn so people can find you. And uh, yeah, do you have anything else that where people can find you? Twitter? Or... Well, so I'm one of the co-founders from a company, QBS Group, but I found out that uh, some things can be done easier on my own. So I started uh, a one-band company called Dynamics and More. Unfortunately, my website's not ready yet, so I have to work on that maybe later this month. But maybe you can put in my email address so that people can find me there yeah. or they can connect, connect over LinkedIn. Oh, That's always good. Of course. 
Yeah. Thank you, Gus, then Gus Krabbenboy, for um, for your participation in CM Rocks. Thank you for inviting me, Marcus. Um, if anybody says this is an interesting topic, I'd like to react or like to discuss, then feel free to reach out because uh, I think this is an important topic for all of us, right, for the years to come. Yeah, and I post every show on LinkedIn and on Facebook, so you can just search for CRM Rocks and you will find it right there. And then you can always comment on CRM Rock, uh, crmrocks.com. And thanks to you listening and uh, talk to you next time. Have a nice evening. Bye.